Welcome very much indeed to Lighting the Pipes. This is a fun and special episode. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. We are going to be discussing the very popular and the very timely Enola Holmes, the Netflix film recently released, and it's causing quite a stir. Uh, Joshua Taylor is with me as always, and also joining us uh, from our sister podcast, Bond by Numbers. We are delighted to welcome into the Pipes fold, Jeffrey Chapman. How are you doing in this strange world that we're living in right now? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, long time listener, first time contributor on this podcast, so I'm excited. Uh, and it's good I to have you here. That I can uh, I can help out with uh, my two cents mm-hmm. uh, because you know I know more about James Bond than I do about Sherlock Holmes. I do love Sherlock Holmes, and I do like uh, late Victorian literature, that kind of stuff. So I do appreciate it. But obviously, uh, I'm uh, I'm not as well versed as you guys. But I'm very happy to be here and add my two cents, or I guess two shillings. Two shillings, yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're not just about uh, we're not just about the Sherlock Holmes, and I think you are very well suited to be here, sir, because um, Sherlock Holmes is an antecedent or an ancestor of our friend James Bond, isn't that right, Josh? That's correct. That's right. I guess yeah, he would be the predecessor to yeah. uh, James Bond in, in a way. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, that Ian Fleming read Sherlock Holmes novels. Well, everybody I, did. I, 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 yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right about that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he also read Chandler novels as well. Um, we've got Ian Fleming. Yeah, you were mentioning that. Yeah, I've got got an interview that he conducted in 1958 with Chandler just before his death, actually. For, for the BBC, which maybe uh, maybe we can share on both this and our Bond show later on, if there's a way to cross over the two. Yes. I was going to say, if, if I'm bringing it back to something that I do know about Sherlock Holmes, uh, Conan Doyle, I do actually have some Conan Doyle books. Now, Josh did give me a, uh, one of those collection of works mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for either a Christmas or a birthday, which I appreciate. Uh, but I do have some um, actually original uh, printings of some Conan Doyle um, books, not not fiction, but actually um, mm. some of the some of some of the uh, military documents that he wrote. Uh, one of the Boer War, which was mm-hmm. called yeah. uh, what, because he did serve as a, a surgeon. That's right. And uh, it, it was actually written in 1900. In the last chapter of the book, it was written the end of the war, which we all know didn't end That's for another right. two years. Yeah. Um, and so I actually have a first uh, first printing of that. <laughs> and, That's cool. Uh, That's a cool also, thing to have. I also have a, a 1916 book about uh, the the French campaign or the French and Belgium campaign, and he wrote uh, basically sort of the the history of what happened. Um, and I, I have one volume of it. I think it's from 1915 to 1916. Very cool. I'm, I'm guessing that those things, particularly if they're first printings, they'd be worth a bit of uh, a bit of a few shillings. I dare say. You know what? I, I don't want to say. I think it might be a second, but it's still it's still it was still printed in the same year that it came out. So well, to the right uh, collector, I, you know. Well, yes, and it, it is in actually very good shape, and it even has, it even has like a colored map of 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 uh, South Africa and where he was in very color. Cool. The problem is, is that it it's never been opened, and if so, if I open it, it's just going to tear in half because it increases, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but it's still there, and it looks like it was printed yesterday. And obviously, we know at this point it's 120 years old. <laughs> Very cool. Anyways, well, I Jeff, digress. Jeff, just for um, just for our listeners who might not really know your background and sort of what of you uh, what you like doing, what you like reading, your work, whatever. Um, couple of, couple 
couple of minutes to introduce yourself because, you know, we've spoken about you before on the show as a co-host of our Bond by Numbers podcast. But this this is your chance now to step on stage and say, who am I and why have I got a right to be here? <laughs> okay, well, I guess your listeners will uh, find that out and see if, I, if I'm worthy. Yeah, uh, we're, we're standing by with a button on a trap door, <laughs> uh, Mr. Yeah. Burns style. An oubliette. <laughs> I noticed yes. a new I knew I noticed a new carpet underneath my chair here, so I was like, huh. I didn't yeah, check underneath it. it, so maybe that's what that was. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, Rachel uh, was busy when you were uh, working this week <laughs> building yeah, a trap. She would door. definitely be okay with this. Um, <laughs> so well my background is one, uh, I was Josh's roommate uh, for uh, when we were in, in the apartment, not Baker Street, not as nice. Um, for a year and a bit. Uh, I've been I've known Josh for uh, twenty years at this point. So I definitely be the Sherlock. I definitely be the Sherlock in that dynamic. Uh, yeah, and you, you, you'd be the Watson. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Putting up with uh, me and stuff like that. Yeah. So my background. I mean, uh, I'm I'm Canadian. Uh, I'm, I'm I live in Ottawa. I've always lived in Ottawa. Proud Canadian. I like hockey. So we have the you know there's a lot of Canadian stereotypes there. Uh, I appreciate military history. Uh, I appreciate any kind of history. I enjoy uh, films, uh, books. I collect a lot of military medals, uh, postcards, books, letters, manuals, uh, mostly uh, Commonwealth. I'm uh, I'm also, I appreciate military and uh, history and sort of um, uh, history about sort of British intelligence uh, and just intelligence in general, Mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, uh, Russia, uh, you know, uh, KGB, CIA, OSS, military history. uh, But and uh, that's just sort of my hobbies in that sense. I also enjoy music. Uh, I do dabble with the harmonica. I haven't played it in a few years, but I do enjoy music. uh, Listening and and playing when I can and uh, trying to stay out of trouble. And I have Mm. a dog. Cute. <laughs> you do indeed, yeah, Homer. Yes. Um, let me ask you just out of curiosity. Um, obviously, nothing's everything's grounded now with COVID. But are you still doing the volunteering at the War Museum? No, I, I, I'm. I haven't done that in quite some time. Uh, and obviously, as the way things are, especially now in this right now, there. I mean, the the War Museum. I don't even think it's open, or it will be closing shortly. Yeah. Uh, but I just right now, I just I just don't. I wouldn't really even have the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, gents, um, you know, I, I'm quite eager to get into this chat. Uh, I've seen this now and studied it now, and uh, I've I've had my finger on the pulse of a couple of controversies surrounding this, as I'm sure you guys have. Uh, and I think maybe that's a place to start. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. en- Enola sure. Holmes, even before it was released, had garnered quite a bit of attention from the media and uh, much of this had to do with Millie Bobby Brown obviously as a very up-and-coming popular young actor Uh, also the casting of Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes which we'll talk about but perhaps overshadowing both of those announcements it was the lawsuit that was filed by the Conan Doyle estate against Netflix for the For essentially stepping on copyright toes, that type of thing. There's now, quite a character that's in the public domain. Yeah, well, yeah, up to a certain point. Mm-hmm, up yeah. to a certain point. Guys, I, I mean, if you're happy with this, what I'd like to do is sort of preface our chat here uh, about the film by starting with this, just sort of setting the landscape uh, for this legal legal deb- debate. Is that is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm down with that. I, 
I find it hard to believe that anybody, even in the most, even like the most traditional defender of the canon, okay, would would be proud to step into the ring to defend the Conan Doyle estate in this particular place and time. And the reason I feel that way is because you know their their activation of legal terms against Netflix to me feels so cash cow, so desperate to hold on to like an intellectual property that as you say, Josh, like more than most others already belongs in the public domain and almost entirely is in the public domain legally uh, with the exception of a couple of later stories. And it really is these later stories that the Conan Doyle estate seems to be arguing have been infringed upon. Now, as the argument goes, and again, I'm generalizing, but these later stories, particularly those that Conan Doyle wrote after the war, they say, suggest and offer us a softer Sherlock Holmes, a character who is much more like, or at least a little bit more like the one portrayed in the Netflix film than the one from the earlier stories. And these are the stories, by the way, which are not yet in the public domain. Those stories from 23 to 27, I believe, those are the years that we're talking about here. So we're talking about the later bits from we're talking the, about like the, case the case book of Sherlock Holmes. The case book and the yeah. last bow, basically. Yeah. yeah, now to me, this reeks of poor class a real myopic view like i mean yes why not it reminds me a lot of um if i can give you an example another example that was that was well known is christopher tolkien now he recently passed away but he was very he's always he has always been like very protective of his father's works uh-huh. and any kind of like and yeah he was very he, he's always been an enemy to the peter jackson adaptation from the get-go but he couldn't do anything about it but it's just another example of someone trying to hang on to the glory of someone else's work. I mean, trying to, uh, what's the word, hoard it for their own uh-huh. purposes, I guess you could say. Well, I think that the Conan Doyle estate is still governed by descendants to a certain yeah. extent. It still, it still has a familial link, but I, I just feel like you've got a couple of stories left before the time expires and they become U.S. domain public work as well, right? Like, you've got a couple of stories left. And realistically, Sherlock Holmes, as you intimated a few moments ago, is a character perhaps more than any other fictional character I can think of. Uh, maybe Dracula is is less or is, is a little bit more in the public domain. I mean, he already is there, right? I mean, he's there in so yes. many different ramifications. And I... Yes. Forgetting what you think of the portrayal of Cavill or of the Holmes world, which we'll get into, to me, it seems that the Conan Doyle estate would be much better served by supporting all and every presentation of this iconic figure that's going to draw people back to the stories. I was having a conversation with one of our listeners, and uh, he was telling me that, like James Bond, Uh Sherlock Holmes is a national hero of Great Britain. Mm -hmm. And he's been around for so long that... Any portrayal of Holmes in any way, uh, mm-hmm. I think, is a nod to Arthur Conan Doyle's work and, and that he's done. Mm-hmm. Now, we know for a fact that Conan Doyle had a love-hate relationship with his creation. We yes. do know that. Yeah. But at the same time, looking back at his career and the main character, we can't help to say that Sherlock Holmes is his most prominent work. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, he's a national hero, and I think we should embrace that. And this isn't sour grapes. This isn't no. It, no, it uh, isn't. No. There, there's no ill will in in this adaptation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. In fact, I no. think it almost it shows how much it loves the world that Arthur Conan Doyle has created mm-hmm. in its own right. way. 
so I kind of feel that, you know, they're, they're a bit, uh, they're, they're being a bit too extra to use a, a popular term. I agree, man. I, I do think so. I mean, kids aren't even reading like books like they used to right today. I mean, everybody, <laughs> everybody knows that. But to me, if you've got anything out there that gets your audience a chance of going back to the source material, then you are fulfilling. Drug. You're, yeah, well, you're, fu- you're fulfilling the, yeah. the, the, the principal need of your estate. Right. And, you know, if. Think, just think, right? If I'm if I'm working for the Conan Doyle estate, I'm representing that great man and, and his legacy and all these works. Like, why not try to endear and ingratiate yourself with these big networks so that there's an advisor or a stylist or a period historian from the estate or a consultant that's on these productions? Because yes. you know, good behavior, good relationships, good friendships, and business networking that's going to keep the estate's interests alive. Instead of trying to fight these companies, which we know are going to be able to smother and swallow estates, you know, I mean, and, and property now that it's in the public domain, these media brands don't need the Conan Doyle estate, as I see it, and like all literary brands and maybe literacy itself i mean the conan doyle estate needs now more than ever to build a home within the world of media you know and i feel like i feel like the the motion this legal motion presents and through a fairly transparent glass guys what the conan doyle estate is actually really interested in it's it's like it it, it wants to protect its lucrative uh, tendrils you know i mean I'm, i'm going off on it now i know but Sherlock Holmes is never going to die. He is immortal. Mm. And whether whether the estate chooses to admit it or not, it's films like Enola Holmes that actually pay reference to the original, wow. however however glaringly inaccurate it could be, uh, yeah. which enable the figure to breathe any sort of present tense atmosphere. Like, you need films like this. You need adaptations to, to dog on or to celebrate so that people remember and yes. go back to the originals, right? It just well, seems like they're barking like, up the wrong it's tree. A, it's a, to be honest, it's a it's a really poorly chosen PR stunt that I think backfires. And I mean, yeah, you yeah. could argue that like, you know, any publicity is good publicity. Uh, I don't know. Can I can but... I ask both of you guys something? Um, I wonder what your opinion is of that. The like, do you think that somewhere along the production of this film, maybe in the early stages? that whether it was the director Brad Beer or whether it was one of the multiple producers like do you think that maybe the estate wasn't consulted on this and there was no no sort of olive branch or handshake extended to welcome them into the production in terms of style or history or or some sort of consultancy role and this is them now being like well fuck you if you're going to do this and you're not going to ask us to get involved like I I just feel like this is them possible see that would make a little more sense because otherwise like I said this is a very poorly chosen uh, PR or litigation mm-hmm. stunt, and I think it maybe that's maybe where it came from because mm-hmm. that that makes a little more sense if they weren't consulted. And if that's uh, the case, then why did they go after Nancy Griffith for her novels? You know, I mean, did they go after yeah. her? Or... Exactly, because we know yeah. that most mm-hmm. likely they had her novels in mind when they made the film. So, oh, they did. It's say, an adaptation. Say, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It was probably the original novel that should have been looked at in the first place so mm-hmm. all the all the netflix is doing is they're just adapting the story so why go after netflix why not go after griffith at the, on the time mm-hmm. and that's what makes their last minute because we know netflix is like this big conglomerate that's yeah. making a lot of money it's, lately yeah uh, it has very kind <laughs> that's of that's an understatement very well, interesting 
very yeah. interesting business practices that we can delve deep into on, on mm -hmm. another type it, of podcast. Well, it, yeah. <laughs> what I'm just saying is, is that like it seems almost opportunistic what they're doing right now. And yes. I'm wondering too, given that like how fans are so divided in their franchises lately, like how you know Star Wars is so divided in its in its loyalty mm -hmm. base with its fans now. Maybe Fun. they're trying to trying to stir up stir the pot with like Holmes purists and then modern I Sherlock so. Holmes fans. Well, that's and what it feels it like. Backfired on them because. No one's paying attention to Sherlock Holmes right now. Well, you know that's a, yeah. Because and again, I think and uh, if I can add to that, Josh, um, you were you were talking about the Lord of the Rings and that kind of stuff. Where there's a, there's a, obviously you know and Star Wars. Where you, those are the two best examples of people that are the purest. Where the like they don't uh, like you have the canon Star Wars and they don't like anything that's expanded universe. And then you have the people that are expanded universe and same with Lord of the Rings where you have like the people that just like the books, they don't like the films. And then you might have the people here that, that just like the BBC Sherlock, they don't like, I don't know, they don't like the books. I don't get it, but who knows? Mm -hmm. And so it, 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 they could be divided on that. But I, I, I think, I guess I'm parodying this again, but uh, it, it's poorly timed PR but also, like you were saying, that it, it would make more sense if they weren't consulted. Because otherwise, I, I don't, I can't it see would, them yes. really. Because that's the only thing that kind of makes sense. Because really, it's just like, look, if you're bringing Sherlock Holmes back, it's a, it's a, it's a good. It, well, look, as you can see, what we're doing right now, it's a good, it's a good case for discussion. Maybe sure we should is, call yeah. it like Sherlock Holmes: The Case of Discussion. Who knows? <laughs> uh, there you go. But I, I, I can't help but wonder, somebody on this production team must have known that they're dealing with... They must have. They like must have known that happen. they're dealing... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, who thought, oh, let's not consult? It could, it could also have been <laughs> like, delivered upon the studio to go ahead and do that and risk uh, insulting oh, them because they, oh, get PR, they get PR from it as well. Yeah. You know so, what? Yeah, they probably it's, were like, it's you kind know, of a win-win like, win situation for them because it's advertising as well. Yeah, yeah I think you're right, Josh. No, but the, uh, the, the Conan Doyle estate isn't coming out of this looking good. No, no it, it, unfortunately they're not. So although they're getting it's almost, attention. It's almost like, like, uh, Netflix, it's like, almost like Netflix is like, uh, I guess you could get an example. Like it's like Trump, you know, like they, <laughs> they go ahead and they make Enola Holmes knowing that it could piss off the, the estate, but they go ahead and say it anyway. And then all of a sudden how the reaction that comes from the Doyle estate mm. uh, is so like bellicose. Mm -hmm. And then, but, but what happens is though is because the reaction it, it shows kind of like it shows them as being petty or or just simply just overreacting because it leads to essentially uh netflix winning in the end i guess you yeah. could say because they get free advertisement mm -hmm. i don't know but i mean getting back to well no not getting back to maybe finishing off this <laughs> with 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 something that i intimated or something i mentioned at the beginning like josh Jeff, do you see any die-hard Sherlockian, even the most crusty of blue bloods? Do you see none of whom listen to this show? Do you see? <laughs> do you see any of them getting in the corner with the Conan Doyle estate to fight this? Like it just seems so in my, dumb. There's going to be my, someone my somewhere. Algorithms, I don't know. Right. In my YouTube algorithms, I have not seen any like pop-up like uh, videos from people. You know, from from Sherlockians kind of ranting against. Uh, Netflix for mm. betraying Arthur Conan Doyle. I haven't seen any kind of talk like that whatsoever. Um, no. I guess people's are on like the election. They're on so many other different things that uh, <laughs> it was. It's the only person that's raised the publicity of this film is uh, the reaction of the Arthur Conan Doyle estate. But that's it. Yeah, no, I know. it's weird. I, I just think it's a whole new fan base, and they're not going to have much to hate about Enola Holmes because it's just another gateway to that universe, right? Like it's a bunch of yeah. young adult 
teens, male or female, pick up this book and they say, hmm, I want to know more about Sherlock and Mike. Well, that's the thing, right? They're probably like, oh, this is what my great grandfather Mm -hmm. talked about. Sherlock Holmes, I've heard of that. And that's why I don't understand it. It's a good advertising for uh, the Sherlock Holmes stories in general. So again, I think their their reaction is opportunistic that they had some plan that would, I don't know what they could benefit from it. Like, like do they want to get, like just do they just want to get more royalties or money from mm-hmm. Netflix? Settle out of court I, I, or I something. Someone, someone, the lawyers somewhere within the within the estate. Yeah, has thought it would be good. I think it backfired. Well, I think maybe Netflix. They were just like, you know what? Just go ahead, because Netflix will win. We got bigger lawyers. That's right. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just what it was. So like, whatever, just do it. Like, uh, I, I think you're right, Jeff. I don't, I don't think Netflix is really <laughs> bothering about this as much as people might want to think they are. I mean, they're a massively how profitable often do they business. Because if you look at it, this was supposed to have like a full theatrical release, but because mm-hmm. of COVID, uh, Netflix bought it and then just That's streamed right. it. Yeah, I mean, they just they distributed got... it from Warner, didn't exactly. they? Yeah. Anyway, it's it's an interesting one and a little counterintuitive, at least to my mind, and I think to your mind as well. Any attention that you can you can accept. I mean, this isn't like a big existent new character who's no. being appropriated in some sort of disrespectful way. It's just, it's a poor adaptation of Sherlock Holmes, but not poor the way that, I mean that in a negative critical way. It's it's, it's, it's not, mean. yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's just really weird to me that, that estates like this are desperate for like for holding on to any sort of life. And now at the <laughs> end, at the end of your character's private domain life you know just years away from everything being released to the public you're going to fight a battle like this when you're going to need netflix and other big players to help you out man like yeah, it just I mean, seems really, so you're weird just, yeah really you're anyway the, you're kind of on the shit list for like the one of the biggest <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. yeah well the biggest yeah. streaming service yeah like it's not a good idea well, exactly really, exactly shows like you just picture now like the the estate literally in a high back chair smoking you know uh, the seven percent solution just sitting there like I don't want this that's and right everyone yeah. everyone else uh, in their IKEA yeah. furniture uh, on their iPad like mm-hmm. with it and then this person's just sitting there like I mean I'm making a joke here but it just mm-hmm. shows that like they're not with the times which I mean obviously we know that Sherlock is is a timeless you know window into a Victorian era literature and that kind of stuff in early 20th century literature but it's just it's not putting them in a good light not (laughs) at all well here's the thing too is what is the reaction like we know now that apparently robert downey jr is going to he wants to develop like from the guy ritchie films a sherlock holmes cinematic universe somehow um how he's going to do that i don't know is he going to incorporate like uh, Lupin, is he going to get all these other mm-hmm. history figures? I wonder, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like to come into that world, kind of like uh, they tried to do with the Universal Monsters, the Dark Universe attempt mm-hmm. a couple of years ago that they tried to do that failed. Um, but what I'm trying to say is, is Arthur Conan Doyle estate, are they going to come after Robert Downey Jr. and his production company as well? Mm-hmm. Or will they simply take his check? You know, like who knows? Yeah, yeah. Are they picking yeah, that up here, right? Because you haven't heard yeah, the reactions to Robert true. Downey Jr.'s plans yet. But then again, he's just only made his intentions. The next few steps that the the uh, the estate is going to take in regarding how they react to the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, yeah. film or, uh, it is it's very important in sort of if we're going along with this to see what happens because again yeah, either they learn something or they learn nothing 
That's exactly right, man. They learn something or they learn nothing. I, f- I do feel as though we could cut an episode out of this uh, this cloth itself, but um, <laughs> yeah. shall, shall we say goodbye to that issue then? I mean, I think yeah. we set up Enola Holmes quite yeah. nicely. We, um, we, we definitely so. did, yeah. <laughs> We're flogging so, that horse. What do you know of the uh, of the of the books? Like, how many books in total were did they make in the did Brooke Griffith make in the last uh, in the late two thousands? Well, she made six books and she wrote the six books in five years so uh yeah i think the first was was 2006 and the last one was 2010 is that right okay that that would be it yep 2006 2010 yeah Yeah. and this is based on the first book or the case of the missing marquis right that's right yep that's yeah yeah Yeah. broadly i think broadly based on it Um, yeah it pulls from it but obviously creates its own little world too yeah i was reading apparently that uh in the novel the depiction mm-hmm. of Eudora Holmes, uh, mm-hmm. the mother, is a little different than it is in the uh, film version. Apparently, right? Like, okay. She's not yeah. some like uh, she's not some militant suffragette uh, as okay. Okay. As, as, it's as a bit displayed. hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I was reading like the suffragettes did do bombing in. Oh, no, no. Uh, that makes sense. In the early 1900s, like they did do bombing because the movie's clearly setting her up as a as like a female Guy Fox, basically. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Except, except, of course, like the discovery jet bombing campaign didn't kill anybody and it wasn't intended no. to. Look, guys, um, we've decided to kind of cut against the grain here a little bit. Normally on Lighten the Pipes, we have a pipes acronym where Mm -hmm. we explore the story that we're working on from a principles, an investigation, a perpetrator, an environment, and a secondary character's point of view. And that that really suits the study of stories quite nicely. But in Mm -hmm. this case, we're going to pull from our Bond by Numbers scoring system, which is out of 10. Uh, No, I'm sorry, it's out of 30. And uh, we go for... Uh, acting, story, and atmosphere, which is perhaps a little bit easier to align with the film world. And I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) We did that for you, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, So, um, look, this... This is this is an interesting adaptation of the novel, but before we even get to our scoring, um, I understand that Millie Bobby Brown was really, really keen to do this. She has a co-producer credit on the film. Yeah, I saw that. That's at the uh, age of sixteen. Impressive. I mean, that, yeah. that. But apparently, she read the books. She wanted to play the role, but she had to wait. And her dad was kind of instrumental in helping her partner with Legendary Pictures and she started talking with director Harry Bradbeer about this and I think things just kind of took off rather quickly I mean that's how I understand the story did you come across anything different uh, no, that's that's what I understand. Right, she had okay. producing credit on her, so this was kind of her baby. Uh-huh. Um, of course, she had it because she was young. She had help with the, from her father, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. I dare say her parents had a lot to do with you know her film career, and I'm I'm sure they offered her some guidance in that way. Yeah. Well, they, as as, they, as Jeff said, they don't I mean, seem to be like yeah, they don't seem to be like from what I understand the typical uh, <laughs> Hollywood baby, parents. Hollywood parents, yeah, like like, like hands or whatever, or Britney <laughs> Spears' dad or whatever. Britney Spears, yeah, yeah. Or the Kardashians, or the Thorns, yeah. or, or, mm-hmm. or, yeah. or 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 what have you. Well, we just haven't seen that show yet, Josh. That's true. That'll be on Netflix. In the background. That's right. <laughs> That'll be on Netflix. Yeah. This could be going on. Yeah. Absolutely. And Robert Downey Jr.'s show won't be. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. Movie. No, that's uh, where are we going now with this? 
Yeah, okay, so Jeff said that Netflix bought the distribution, and he's absolutely correct, from Warner Brothers due to the COVID pandemic, and we're just quite happy to stream this. And it, yeah, I yes. mean, it's bounced. It's getting pretty good reviews. Yeah, it did, um, it did very yes. well. And it's, uh, I'm sure, I can see, maybe this is a starting point, you know, getting us into our score, and I can see young audiences really enjoying this, but I was also happy yes. while watching it that it didn't pander too much, and it wasn't too juvenile, and no, there weren't actually, there, there weren't were actually things, things that, yeah. We couldn't, uh, adults couldn't enjoy, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I totally agree, Scott. Like, okay, as a Sherlock Holmes adaptation, yeah. definitely not my favorite for sure. No, <laughs> not no, my favorite. No, no. But as a standalone movie, it's a it's yeah, a good movie. Yeah, it, it is it is a good movie. Like, yeah. uh, it, it has some issues story wise that we'll get into. Uh, but I enjoyed it overall as a movie. And I think, as I said, like if I was a if I was a person watching that movie or reading those books and. I'd be curious about the world of Sherlock Holmes. And sure. I think, again, mm -hmm. that would be my entrance into that world. Sure. My entrance sure. into Sherlock Holmes, uh, in terms of like how I got into him, was through the great mouse detective at first. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. nice. Basil. Basil of yeah. Rathbone. Basil uh -huh. Rathbone. Yeah. No, what was his name? Basil uh -huh. of uh, Baker Street. Uh, Basil, Basil of, of Baker, Baker Street. Street. Yeah, Basil <laughs> of Baker Street. Yeah. And Professor Radigan, right? And Vincent Price. Oh, um, yeah. But and that, and then, Josh, I remember us talking about that movie. That that was a movie that saved Walt Disney's animation studios too. Oh, it did yeah. too. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a because yeah. from a lot of, a surprise hit because the, Eisner the was 80s, ready to pull the plug. The, the Disney Animation Studio was just like, uh, it was getting into a bad state. Well, yeah, Eisner was ready to pull the plug on on the whole animation wing, and uh, they decided to go with this, and it it kind of. Phew, brought people back in man this this and this without just think about it right without basil of baker street you'd have no uh you'd have no little mermaid you'd have no lion king you'd have who knows with pixar you know i mean who knows what would have happened disney might not yeah. be anything that it is well I, much I, I, I didn't know I, did, I didn't know about that that's actually yeah, very true it's very true the history of eisner i mean it was it was down to a month-to-month -month decision of whether he was wow. going to pull the plug on the animation side but they had this in the tank and they decided to you put a couple of now i may be romanticizing it ever so slightly jeff but because of our oh. you know our, our love of homes but there is certainly a very strong read of truth in what i say that um that basil of baker street was uh was the film that got more confidence in, instilled into that line of things and Eisner decided to keep it going yeah because he had recently taken that over that really side cool. of things yeah anyway that uh, really cool. we can fact check yeah, so and maybe maybe that's an episode maybe that's episode fodder Josh maybe we should look into that a little better <laughs> yeah I think uh, just exploring yeah. like all the all the different Sherlock Holmes adaptations yeah, would be a good idea like take a look at we could even like do a, an episode on we can talk about someday about um, the great mouse detective we can talk about the, the guy Ritchie uh, films mm -hmm. You know, yeah. just like kind of examining different uh, interpretations of, of of homes. Speaking of which, let's get back on track here. Sorry. Yeah, about yeah that there we go. This particular, yeah. All I was going to say is, is that Great Mouse Detective got me into Sherlock Holmes, and if Enola Holmes gets people into Sherlock Holmes, then you so know that's in. great. And so mm -hmm. I think again, the movie did what it was supposed to do, but it was also a good movie. But again, we can talk about how we feel about it as a home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, why don't we start story then, Jeff? You are the guest on the show. You want to start talking about uh, your feelings of this film, narratively uh, speaking. So at first, I was like, okay. Like, I actually, I thought the score was interesting at the beginning. With like, you know, the I, I, first of all, uh, Pemberton. I was just actually listening to the score just to get a handle on it before I, uh, I joined. You know, mm -hmm. I, I uh, joined the podcast this morning. It's very well done, and mm -hmm. it's funny, like. 
the opening part, the wild child, uh, wild child mm-hmm. uh, track, yeah. which yeah. is sort of her. Yeah, it's good. It, I, at first, I like I wasn't expecting it, but it is sort of like young and uh, and bright. It's very much like it. It it really does sort of set the mood, and it does uh, fe- it does fit very well for that scene of her on the bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it really so. Does, yeah. um, and it, it does sort of set the feel for like the the style of what the what it's going for, um, and the, the only thing is I, again because I'm a purist and I you know I like I like Sherlock Holmes I like the Conan books and I like Victorian era anything, uh, but I I was taken aback when she broke the fourth wall and I was like oh it's going to be one of these, um, and so that that took me away from it. But I also understand like what. Like, okay, I haven't read the books, but I understand what they're trying to do with it. And uh, so, and I appreciate it. Like, I think the the acting, I think she she is absolutely amazing. She she makes this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as a very young actress, and she's, I mean, she's got very good acting chops because she she can play very different characters, as you can see. If, you know, I mean, if, if everyone's seen Stranger Things, if you haven't, you should. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a very different character. A lot less talking and a lot seeing her in this character and again i guess also speaking in her native tongue if you will as a as a, as a britain um it's nice to see but uh i, I was uh, i was impressed with the film however that being said it i was taken aback because i'm like this is not sherlock holmes yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and and so and you'll notice as i score it mm-hmm Everything I score that is kind of not related to Holmes is very high. Right, uh, I got you. And yeah. uh, and so I I, I want to say that I think all the actors are very strong in their roles. Uh, the one person that I wasn't like super into was actually Tewksbury. I mm-hmm. I mean he was good, um, but uh, I thought he was sort of like the most lackluster. But that's just me. Like uh, I thought. Well, Actually, one thing I did want to ask first, though, is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I noticed in a couple of things. I actually noticed at the end, and then again at, at, at the beginning when I kind of just uh, watched it a little bit here and there. Um, does the time frame add up? I think it's supposed to be eighteen eighty-five. Yeah, that's okay. right. Well, the eighteen so, eighteen yes, eighteen eighty-five. Yeah. Is yeah. it? So I wanted yeah. to look up like uh, you know terrorist plots and bomb plots around that time, and I did mm-hmm. find one because actually I, okay. uh, there's actually a list of all the radical plots and terrorist plots lots uh, of that going on in in, in London and so yeah. there was there was one in January 24th 1885 uh, bombs exploded at a number of locations in central London including the House of Commons chamber Westminster Hall and in the banqueting room of the Tower of London two police officers of four civilians were injured two men were sentenced to penal servitude so obviously this wasn't like a bunch of suffragettes yeah so yeah. I, I was wondering if if there was one specific plot that they were trying to reference for this plot right okay for the film slash the book maybe not but at the same time it does make sense of sort of just what's going on i guess around that time well Um, historically historically jeff there's been violence there's been basically a popular (laughs) unrest in england since i guess in that period anyways since like the regency period where you have like at the end of the regency you have the peterloo massacre where like British soldiers fired upon like uh, somewhat socialist as citizens, women and children killed as well. Mm. So I mean, there's always been a history of, of this going on during the Victorian era. Uh, there's been a lot of that, all that since 
Victoria took the throne as well. There's been a lot of unrest uh, going into that period and even up until then, and getting even more and more radical as the night as the 20th century approached. So I, I guess what it is is that what they had chosen, I suppose, to sort of show, I, I guess, to accentuate sort of the plot of her. You know, growing up and, and beco- becoming alone, if you will, or, or trying to fend for herself as a young adult, they chose sort of like an idea of a plot that would be realistic for the time in London, which yes. I guess makes yeah. sense. Which yeah. I, and then I, and I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, because they mention me. they mention she's reading Mary Wollstonecraft, who right. was mm-hmm. Mary Shelley's mm-hmm. mother, and she was a famous like early feminist. Um, that like and even Mycroft points out feminism, right? Like. Mm-hmm. So that whole zeitgeist was taking over uh, uh, the late the, the late nineteenth century mm-hmm. uh, at that time. So it, it fits the period for sure. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 fine. Yeah. Yeah. And but, I do. I agree with Josh that the in terms of canon, it doesn't fit. But I don't think that that's going to affect the the the, the younger modern. Well, that's the thing. Is I think like, I think they're like, yeah. You know what? Let's just get them in to this. Yeah. And then. Yeah. You know, and we and yeah. they're like, look, we know we're gonna have people that are like, you know, Sherlockians that are, you know, they're like, hey, that's not canon, yeah. but like, hey, look, we got to do our best. We're, we're gonna, we're, we might have to fudge a couple of things here, but let's do the yeah. best we can. So I get but that too. Speaking canonically, so 1878 is when Watson finishes medical school and he goes to war. Mm-hmm. He comes right. back probably around like 1880 or 81 or so after he's right. recovering from his wound. And yep. then he gets the mm-hmm. apartment with Sherlock Holmes. We don't know that the Sherlock, we haven't seen the Baker Street apartment in the in, in Enola, Enola right. Holmes. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if, if he's still, if he's living yeah. with Watson at that time he's yeah. not even because, mentioned because it. it's his sister he might be keeping that to his chest and he may not even be telling watson that he's looking into this matter or you maybe I mean? like, or maybe josh maybe he's married mary worston or mary morston by this time although no he hasn't because well, the sign of four wasn't no, until like 18 1890s well that's when well, it was wait, published which but which case which case did they mention because they mentioned the same case twice oh uh, i think that was it, a fictionalized it, one though they made that up for the story okay. yeah because i was like yeah i'm like yeah. i don't recognize them no no uh, okay sorry to, so to get back like mm-hmm. again i enjoyed watching this and in my head i'm like i wish if this was just sort of like a standalone as uh like Enola, don't use the last name Holmes, is just sort of like a, a plucky young girl who is, you know, um, working on her independence as a young woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she has to find her mother, goes to London and does all this kind of stuff, becomes like a, a detective like Sherlock Holmes and, and finding, you know, in, intrepid characters and, 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 and trying to, you know, weave her way through, um, you know, um, living a life uh, and trying to adjust... I think that would be great, uh, but mm-hmm. again, as someone who's a stickler for you know, um, you know, uh, a purist and these kind of things, I, I wasn't, I didn't like the feel of the of the Sherlock Holmes part, and because also like, I mean, I, I love Henry Cable, but I didn't feel he he wasn't Sherlock Holmes to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was definitely my, a different interpretation. Like, yeah. well, that's everyone, was, yeah, it was definitely a different interpretation. Yeah, it um, was your lifeguard on duty interpretation, well, man. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. like um, in, that, in that last scene, like when he's in the, yeah. uh, they're at the academy, like in the middle of the square, like that suit that he was wearing, like it just, it just like it just didn't fit right on him at all. And you know what I mean? I know exactly like, what you mean, yeah. Yeah, um, and like they had, they had to put in, you know, like that he's a pugilist in there to explain, you know, why he's so 
you know, cut and beefy, right? Well, yeah, because, yeah, he's, uh, yeah. But, like, seriously, like, how, like, much of a Superman is this guy? He's, like, a brilliant master of deduction. Uh, he's a pugilist who wins mm-hmm. every fight. Uh, like, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like someone in yeah. that time period that has the, the athletic built that Cavill would have would no. would be so focused on sciences and, and all that kind of stuff. That's a different uh, type of body type, it, especially exactly. for exactly. that time. So acting, I, I would rate this very high for acting because I thought everyone did a really good job. Um, uh, you know, I thought, I, I mean, you know, there's there's diverse casting too, which is fine. That I, I, um, I just that the one thing though is I didn't I didn't like I don't know if it's true or not, but I can't see like a, a jujitsu school in in London, <laughs> ju, ju, just just for women being taught by women. Hmm. I just I mean. I would love there to be one, and I would love to think that that would have been okay. But at the same time, I don't think so. So I was like, if okay. If any of our viewers, if any of our listeners uh, have anything to say about that, let <laughs> yeah, us know. And do. yeah, it, yeah, there could be precedent for it. There could be. Yeah, I mean, look, if there was, I mean, that's that's fantastic, and and I'd love to be enjoy your fun. crow. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I thought the casting was very like Millie Bobby Brown was absolutely mesmerizing in her character. Really enjoyed that. The the strongest parts here were the atmosphere, like. The sets are beautiful. Cinematography, like it, it feels like London. Maybe a bit cleaner than it would have been, but again, for uh, the demographic and, and it being based on like a, a young adult novel, primarily probably geared towards, uh, you know, uh, young girls and, mm-hmm. and 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 tweens and teens, uh, they probably wouldn't want to make it as realistic, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe. Although I tell you um, what, man, busting his head at the end—that was so that, really gruesome. I, I was yeah. a bit surprised. I, I actually. I, I really cool. like I really like that though because there was telling the kids that like yeah we're telling a kid's story essentially but we're right. also making it real for them as well mm-hmm. like yeah. that's that's what happens this is the world that she lives in so yeah. we're not going to uh, we're not going to dumb it down for them right like we we like it seems to me that if that was in the original yeah. novel mm-hmm. even if that was in the film they're not talking down to their audience you know what I mean no but they're also departing from the Sherlock Holmes world because Holmes never did a fucking thing like that you know Watson sh- shot a couple dogs sure. and and whatnot <laughs> but he uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fuck man they never did that they never did that no oh yeah uh, anyways so basically I the atmosphere and the feel was was excellent the acting was excellent for the majority of the people I really just wasn't a huge fan of the of Tewksbury. I was going to give props too to uh, if anyone, if you guys agrees with me. I thought Sam Claflin was actually really good in the Mycroft role. In fact, I kind of wanted him to be Sherlock. Uh, it would I think it would have worked a lot better personally. But yeah, I, 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 just, I did like the portrayal of I did. I thought the actor physically. Did a good job. I think he looked more like how I would expect Sherlock to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with the second uh, part of what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the physical part's a different story altogether, though, in yeah. terms of what Mycroft looked like, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Um, I guess if I can give my numbers, mm-hmm. go for uh, it. So, for again, for um, the listeners, we're breaking it down similar to the other podcasts that the three of us do, um, and the three categories are acting, story, and atmosphere. So uh, first off, I'm going to give my acting out of ten, which is eight point five, because I Ooh, thought it was okay. Uh, very again, the only thing mm-hmm. that took me out of this was the story, sort of just sort of like the how she's like you know a baby sister of Sherlock Holmes. That's the only thing that really took me out of this. What were but your opi- acting, what were your opinions, Jeff? Along with acting, I just I want to make sure I get your feeling on this. What we what were your thoughts on the performance of um, 
That's what they call Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, God. Uh, oh, uh, Helena uh, Bonham Carter. Yeah, Carter. I, I I liked her. I mean, I'm I'm really happy that she um as an actress, she's always done good stuff. Whether you like the movies or not, she's always a good character actress. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that she's one of these um br- uh, British actors that I I feel like there are some people that can't sort of. <clears throat> sort of adjust to like them aging and they try to just keep doing similar like roles and they just either get CGI or, or a lot of makeup to cover up so they can always kind of play a younger version. Whereas I feel like she, she really sort of took hold of that kind of like um, plucky, interesting and, and wily uh, mother figure who was very much like do your own thing. Like, you know, and which is uh, quite quite different, I, I think, for that time. But I like how she was an independent thinker, obviously, and obviously a suffragette slash borderline terrorist. Uh, I I I liked her as that character. I, I mm. have no problem with her, and she was, well, I think, for that type of character. I think that was very good casting. In my cool. Opinion. Well, compare her to to Flora Delacour too, like uh, who was the grandmother, a oh, kind yeah. of very similar character. She was well acted as well. She was yeah. she was very good. There was. was great nuance in her performance, but she was also like one of those free thinker type people too, yes. because mm-hmm. yeah. she was doing this whole thing on her own. What she believed in was right as well. Right. So yeah. I, I found that I found that that they they were good contrast. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. So yeah, I, again, that's why I, I would rate the acting so high. Is I I appreciated all of the. Burn, all the characters. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and yes, so, Burn Gord. Uh, oh, Burn Gorman plays Gorm, the victim. Yes. Plays yeah. all, always plays the insidious like killer yeah. person so well. Like yes, he does. Yeah. He, he he's born to play a Dickensian villain. That guy all the yeah. time. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, I liked him too. Uh, yeah. So, so eight again, five for acting. Eight cool, five. Man. Yeah. The things that took me out of it was the was the breaking of the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like it. But Millie Bobby Brown did a fantastic job of doing that. And so, you know, as much as I didn't like it, I appreciated when she did it because she did such a good job. Uh, so my story was five. Like, the story is good. It's just nothing, like, new. And I, I understand, like, what it is. It's sort of like a coming of age and the whole alone thing. And Nola, like, you know, trying to become her own woman. And, and then also, you know, her mom being away. And she's only ever known being with her, around her mom. So I appreciate that. I just, it, it didn't seem original to me. And again, also trying to to grasp at the heels of, of the Sherlock Holmes universe, and and and, and having, uh, you know, Sherlock and her older brothers being like, older jerks and don't understand her, and like you know she can outsmart them. Like, oh, okay, sure, mm-hmm. uh, but I just, you, everyone has their own opinions on this, so I just thought that was a bit meh. Mm-hmm. The atmosphere, like I was saying about like the sets, the cinematography, uh, the the costumes. Uh, no, I give it nine and a half because I was really invested cool. in the environment. I thought they did a really good job. Um, mm. I thought it could have been a bit dirtier, but for where this is coming from and who it's directed towards, it was really successful. It, it, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. Yeah, okay. uh, and I thought and the score again because I I listened to a little bit of it. It's very well done. It's 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 very good and. Uh, Atmosphere, yeah. I give nine and a half. So I do rate this pretty high. Yeah. And and I and I, I, I again the story. I think it's a pass. It's a pass. It's just not original. And I just because I'm a stickler for you know um, the links, like the, things, more of the real world building of the yeah, source material. And, but I did actually. I had a conversation with my mother this morning about it because she was wanting to know some things to watch. I said, "Watch Enola Holmes." Mm. I mean, you know, I 
Yeah. I didn't like it in the sense the, of it trying to be like a Sherlock Holmes, but I said uh, if you just watch it as a as a film, just like it's really fun to watch. It's engaging, mm-hmm. and even though it's ge- geared towards young adults, uh, uh, that kind of thing, it, it's still very good. And I, it, it's uh, you know anyone can watch it really. Yeah. And so it, it is a good film. That's a good take from you, buddy. Twenty three out of thirty on yeah. Anola Holmes. So really, the story let you down much, much more than the acting or the atmosphere. Just and because it's contrived, yeah. but yeah. everything else I thought was w- very well done. Cool, man. Well, that that that's a good positive vibe then from uh, from Jeff on on the film. Josh, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, so for story, mm-hmm. that was actually my lowest mark that I gave the Enola Holmes. Okay. Now I did like how they built up and gave you know twists and turns with the Viscount's storyline. That you know, is it the grandmother? Is it uh, the um, is uncle. It the, uh, is it the uncle? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, for those who are watching um, Nola Holmes, if you ever seen HBO's Rome, that actor uh, David Bamber, he played Cicero, uh, oh. and, and he's a, he's a really good like character actor overall. Uh, I just noticed that hey, that's Cicero. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyways, going back to the story though, the storyline with the, with uh, the Viscount, I thought was a good overall. That could have been the focus of the movie. Yeah, they really could have. Yeah. yeah. Into into that, I can still see her her mother disappearing, but I think the mm-hmm. movie tried to make her, the mother storyline also central, and then yes. they kind of forgot about it and they mm-hmm. didn't follow through. And in the end, she just kind of shows up and yeah, sets a sequel essentially. Yes. And yeah. I, I, it was funny. Her fourth wall breaking didn't take me out of the story. The very fact that even though this is an adaptation of the Sherlock Holmes world didn't take me out of the story. What took me out of the story was the sequel setup at the very end made me realize that this this pleasurable experience that I had watching the movie, enjoying the characters, enjoying the world being portrayed, was all of a sudden offset by, oh, yeah, of course, this is a corporate investment. You know, this yeah. is a, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, which is kind of frustrating. Um, so yes. I, I found that the story with the Viscount was a good yeah. storyline. And they yeah. built it up well, setting up the grandmother at the very end. That was a very well done scene. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I like the story. I liked how it brought in the Holmes world into it. That's basically uh, my take. Okay, well, um, let me let me ask you about that, Josh, before we move away from story. Because I, I got to take up something here that you're saying. that I mean, you weren't taken out of it the way Jeff was. You were taken out of it by this sort of very blatant, as you see it, this sort of corporate decision to, here, let's milk more money out of this by making Sherlock the ward instead of Mycroft and, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, but doesn't, then... doesn't the Marvel Universe do that at the end of every one of its early films and early chapters? <laughs> Oh, it does absolutely, and that's and I. Mean, I, I, I never hear you criticize them. Oh well, I mean, I I, I, I enjoy those movies, and I'm not going to say they're the greatest films ever made. That's for darn sure. No, but but as a device, exactly. as a device for selling itself, like I never hear you criticize or take take a, take issue with that sort of gimmick. No, because that's what they started it. They that, they yeah. started that whole thing. That's All right, I mean. okay. So it's okay. original for them. Okay, okay, I see. <laughs> this movie didn't need to have this setup. Yeah. Okay, it had, right. you need to have that. I, I think they could have. I think what he's saying is like, it's kind of like hitting you over the head exposition in the uh-huh. sense of saying like, by the way, there's going to be sequels. Like, we didn't need to know because we could just sort of like. It's almost like I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm sorry to talk over you, Josh. Uh, Mad Men. Mad Men was a really cool show because when you first started watching it, they didn't have a lot of exposition where, like, every, they said more when people would just sort of have, like, a look and didn't say anything mm-hmm. in their silence as opposed to a lot of other shows at the time where there would be exposition and they'd have to, like, say right, what's on their I mind. See, yeah. You just okay. looked at John Hamm and that character is Don Draper and you know what he's thinking. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas I think what Josh is saying here is like, it didn't need that. It, okay. it, it, well, it, it just lacks subtlety for me, I guess Black you could say. Maybe I've watched and, too much. And I will say this, I enjoy the Marvel Universe films, but I would rate Enola Holmes as a better film than the majority of those movies, okay. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. And I feel that like they, they didn't need to do that. It kind of brought no, it... They didn't need to do that. It reminded me that they're, oh yeah, they're making a franchise, you know, and mm-hmm. that kind right. of like... Right. Took, okay. took, that, took me yeah. out. Yeah, go. I guess you could say, yeah. So that's how I feel about the story overall. Like, I, right. like I, I found like... The main storyline as they were going on with the Viscount was good. It propelled things along, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I found uh, that they kind of had that dangling thread that just didn't make the story work 100% for me, I guess you could say. All right. I did like the subversions that the the narrative did off. I actually found, like, I thought I would be totally annoyed by the Viscount and her romance that they seemed to be setting up. Mm -hmm. But actually, it was a lot better than I thought it would be. They also (laughs) don't make the Viscount utterly stupid. And... I guess a lot of people have issues nowadays or like they have this whole thing about Mary Sue's about yeah yeah about, about perfect female characters like Ray for example I found that Enola Holmes mm-hmm. was kind of like what Ray should have been yeah like you want you want because because Enola Holmes she was smart yes but she was also naive about the world she was going into so you yeah. kind of had that attack you kind of had that attachment to her because you wanted her to survive mm-hmm. this world that she yeah. was in and yeah. it ma- and it didn't make things easy for her it made things very difficult for her and in no instance besides Mycroft being a dick, make yeah. her brothers seem stupid at all. Like no, yeah, there was exactly. no point in the narrative that you expect that would happen is that they would make Noah smarter than Sherlock or smarter than Mycroft. No. That doesn't happen at all in the storyline. No. They're equal in that fashion and she is still learning. So I did like that part of right. how they sat yeah. a story. Yeah. In, right. Yeah, so maybe I'll actually I'm gonna probably raise story to seven. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with seven. I think I'm just re- remembering nuances that are more about the writing than they are about the acting, mm-hmm. and okay. it used to work stronger for me now that I think about it in retrospect. Okay. Um, acting, I gave high marks. I gave eight out of ten. Millie Bobby Brown was excellent. Yeah. I loved how like she used the fourth wall to kind of show how she was feeling about the Viscount, for example. And uh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So Millie Bobby Brown was great. All the performing actors were great. I really loved Fiona Shaw. Everyone mm-hmm. knows her as Petunia Dursley in the Harry Potter movies, but she was great as Mrs. Harrison. While she was yeah. mentioned in what she represented to Enola, she wasn't a bad person. Like, right. she, she was helping women at that time be part of the society that they were into. Right. Yes, she wasn't, yeah. In, in no, no more than Mycroft was a bad man. I mean, this is the world that they lived in, yeah, right? Well, yeah, exactly. Normalizing the gender roles and whatnot. Yeah. And I'll point out Sam Clapp's performance, that scene where he says, I wash my hands of her. It's almost like you could see the nuance that he was glad that he didn't have to be a negative yeah. figure in, in her life. He was glad to get rid of that, I guess, yeah. that burden that was coming onto him for doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I definitely uh, appreciated that. It, um, it was an important scene when he yells at her in the carriage and she cries. And she once she realized, like, that was really important because you saw her being vulnerable, but not to the point of, like, crying and breaking down like a like a little girl basically and then yeah. it was just sort of like that that realization like and he kind of chastised her and she wasn't like she just it was just kind of like uh, all of her emotions coming setting in and i thought that was an important scene between the two of them uh, and I, I really enjoyed that so i just wanted to point that out that's a good point absolutely helen benham carter yeah helen benham carter is always good most of the time so she played her role yeah. sufficiently mm-hmm. there was a little there was a good chemistry between her and uh bob millie bobby brown so Mm-hmm. I, I kind of wanted to see how she reacted to Mycroft and Sherlock as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but um, I know I found that she was that she was definitely more than serviceable in the role. Mm. Um, and again, uh, the grandmother, she was really good. I like how, you know, you kind of felt that she felt awful inside, but she believed she had to do what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I kind of got that from her character. Like there wasn't anything evil about her. I guess you could say the movie wow. did a good job of mm. not showing. Like, <laughs> of shooting your grandson. That's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty fucked, man. Yeah, you're but, crashing the Rubicon. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that they didn't make her into a cartoon. That's what I'm no. trying to no, 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 okay, no, no, no. Right. She wasn't a cartoon. You no, believe she... this is a woman of that time making a decision like that because that's 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 the mindset that they have. So she okay. was realistic in that portrayal. That's what I'm trying to say. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah, but and you didn't you back... didn't really see her. You you didn't see the human side of her, Josh. Like where she was ever like uh, really concentrating on or reflecting on what she did or what she was doing, like meeting. Uh, I disagree. I think the look on her face after she shot her grandson and seeing, she even touched the girl's face because she felt bad for her. Like there was compassion or sympathy there because she believed in her mind what she was doing was right. She knew the cost. But Mm. she knew the cost of it. Yeah, she was, this is the cost of what I have to do. She already killed her, her son. Right mm. or her 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 her, her, um, her son-in-law. Okay. So I, I don't know. Like I just found that I believed in the scene that. Yeah, that, I think that's conviction. I think it's did. conviction. What you're what you're citing is conviction. I don't think it's like compassion. I think that she had a lot of that sort of metal that allowed her to do it. But I didn't see her struggling with her decisions. Like I didn't see that there was well, that side to her. If they showed her struggling her suggestions, then that would also ruin the reveal, right? Because you would you would sure. see that. You would see that, right? That so they had a, they had unfortunately that was the risk of doing that in the storyline uh, was that um, in the story mm-hmm. was to was basically to um, have that reveal, but you're going to lose that faucet of the character. But I think the actress in that scene did her Does best okay. to convey right. some sort of inner torment when she shot him, okay. and you could see her conviction. But I also felt that you can see that she's going to hate herself for this most likely down the road. Well, I'm going to go back and watch that that again because I don't recall really being moved by her performance of that. I just saw it as cold granny, man. That's cold granny to me. Uh, yeah, I, well, I'm going to go back and watch it though. There, but... She never had she never had a stone face on her on uh, a stone face on. She wasn't like smiling or she wasn't like having a stiff no, okay, lip about it. Right. Like she wasn't glowering. She was basically she touches the girl's face saying it's done. Yeah. And then okay. she just lets her go to her to her grandson's body on the ground. And there's a sadness, kind of a, a melancholy to her evil, I guess you could say. Oh, yeah. um, I saw that in the actress's performance. I think that's okay, cool. To oh, that's, that's fair. So, yeah, the acting overall, I give okay. 8 out of 10. And uh, just the last point on Cavill, um, yeah, like, he was definitely the weak part of the story. Mm-hmm. I just think he was miscast. A is Netflix. So Cavill is big on Netflix now because sure. and yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, like right. So he was definitely uh, an important cast for them to get. I think to get to get. But it viewers. was a Warner project, though. It was a Warner project. Netflix only bought the distribution. Yeah, that's true. That's, uh, that's a good point. <laughs> and it's this is the ironic. Too. Legendary <laughs> Pictures, yeah, which which was the main producer of this film. Yeah, they were also one of the producers of the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes as well. And Guy Ritchie directed uh, the Man from Uncle. Which also had oh, Henry Cavill. Yeah, right. So there's, yeah. there must be, there might be a connection in there with the producers or writers or something maybe. like that. Yeah, maybe. It's on the Rolodex, I'm sure, or, or the or, the, or, the, the, the distribution list. Probably, maybe the casting director. That could also be a factor. Probably. Yeah. And who's available as well. So overall, acting eight out of ten. 
let's go to the atmosphere. That was my highest mark. Uh, nine out of ten for me on that. Uh, I love the look of this. I thought London looked realistic. They yeah. didn't go too Dickensian in his mm-hmm. portrayal of how right. dilapidated it could be, it could have been at that time, exactly. like showing yeah. the slums. Like they did a good job of showing, you know, like the modern city being born mm-hmm. out of this era. They're talking about the suffragettes, so that worked out really well. Yeah. Um, I, Holmes Estate looked really great. I loved how it was all overgrown and everything like that. Like, mm-hmm. just to, just to compare it to to other stories set in this time period, and it's very nice to see like a happy teenage girl riding her bike down mm-hmm. a London street. Usually, Victorian <laughs> is portrayed as a gloomy, smog-ridden, right. you know, yeah. ultra yeah. Indian nightmarish landscape. Mm-hmm. But then you have that it rises. You get the touch of the hot air balloon rising yeah. above the back. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. Feeling- so she hasn't lost her naivety or her positive yeah. on things. And I, I found that very uplifting compared to other Sherlock Holmes movies mm-hmm. like trail of oh, like, yeah. as Quite like so. this been miasma of of, of uh, like a Babylon Did you just enjoy the freshness of it or was it yeah, something No. I enjoyed the freshness of it. I and, and I admired the contrast as well. Okay, right. Because they're doing something different with the story. And that's what the whole key about this thing is, is that Yes, you can mm-hmm. say this is not a Sherlock Holmes story as you yeah. want it to be, but if, if but then once you see what they're doing with it, mm-hmm. then you can kind of like put it in its own little place on the shelf, saying, "Okay, so this is just a different depiction of the Sherlock Holmes universe," and yeah. I'm happy with that. I'm satisfied with that. I enjoyed it. End of story. Okay, cool. Well, uh, for my part, guys, I'm pretty much with you, uh, at least in sort of the scale of the ratings. I saw it very much the way you did, at least almost. Um, I To start with acting, I went for an 8.5. I was with Jeff on the acting because even even the roles I didn't like, I couldn't fault the acting in them. No, um, exactly. I thought... I thought that um, Millie Bobby Brown is great in this role. I mean, she's fun, she's lively, and whether you like the story or not, she (laughs) is commanding. And even even in the breaking of the fourth wall, which I did find irritating and childish at the beginning, I was thinking to myself, oh, what are we getting into here? (laughs) It really started, it started to win me over because she is so keyed into the role and because she is... I think there's a lot of courage here in this production to play heavily within the world of the story and to give the actors just like just to give them a bit of fun space. And I think that she and her breaking of that fourth wall, it's really fun to watch because she is convincing in doing it. Like, I don't like the I don't like the gimmick of it necessarily. It is very young adult and I get that. But in, in terms of her acting, man, like. I'm also really impressed by by like her expressions and her movements. Yes. Like oh, yeah. for for a young actor, she really she's 16. I know, she man. Like this. It's she, crazy. She knows what to do with a pause in the script and she knows <laughs> she knows where and how to move her eyes and mm-hmm. like these things really spoke to me as I watched it and I, I rewatched some of the stuff particularly on the train like where she's dealing with Tewksbury, you know, and the and yeah. the scene in the in Limehouse. Like I found I found that really engaging like you're watching yeah. an actor who knows poise and understands yeah. how to fill space when there's no dialogue like she's not awkward at all in this no amen at all and, and, and I, yeah absolutely sorry I, no it's fine dude i just think like as a character <laughs> as a character though like she does defy the social norms of women at the time and that's part of the whole shtick like i get that and we understand that that's partly down to her mom's upbringing right 
Um, yes. The corset refusal is kind of for her character, I guess. It's rather mm. an obvious image of rebellion. Oh, right. it, yeah. it is kind of obvious, but but it does work, and we get the payback from the investment later in the film when you know the shot or the knife doesn't go through and all that stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. I get that, but yeah, the, the acting. I guess coming back to the point, you can't take away from her acting, right? Like she's no. she's really good. I I do wish though that they had given her a scene where she could have acted out a bit of xenophobic attack or something like when she arrives in London because I'll never understand no matter how she was conditioned by her mom how she doesn't arrive in that city for the first time ever and be taken you know into some sort of a panic by the crowds around her like Mm. it just seems it seems a bit just go along with it I'm born with strength and I was conditioned in strength yes that's me right like that's a good point this world build London a little bit better than that for me but again that's not an acting point I just wish they had given her a scene where she could have performed some of that vulnerability a bit you know agreed even Wonder Woman when she went to London for the first time was overwhelmed that's right that's right right? and she's a god that's right exactly it's it's like oh a baby (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh, anyway look I mean this was a different sort of role for her to play because of what we've seen her do in the past she's going to get the Victorian roles now, or like um, yeah. she's gonna get probably like um, what do you call them? Period oh, pieces. Period pieces. Yeah, yeah like um, oh, I get, what's uh, the author? Um, Jane Austen. Austen. Jane Austen. Yes, that's mm. what I was thinking. Yeah. But you know what, man? Like what? Whatever she gets, this film is it's it's kind of electric around her like she she's magnetizing in this isn't she like she's really quite magnetic and uh, you're drawn to watching her because she doesn't that's that's what it is you're drawn she's really good like there's no other way to describe it like like she is going to be a star i know she's already a star in the popular sense but but she's going to be an actor you know in the proper sense of the term man I agree. She's going to be good. Every every time she does something, I'm like, man, that was really well done. I'm like, she's not even 16 in this. I know. Like, she's just got, crazy. Like, just, she's so comfortable. Mm-hmm. She's going to be one of those actresses, actors, uh, that she's already, like, she knows exactly what to do. And it, again, with these different characters that she plays that are so different, but she's just on it all the time. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, uh, uh, um, with the breaking of the fourth wall, like it annoyed me, but she did it really well. And again, I was the same thing. Where it was like, I was okay with it because she does it so well that I didn't care by the end. But I, just, I, yeah. I didn't appreciate it for what. Yeah, it was. I know what you're but saying. I, man. But yeah. I also liked when she did it because she was so good at it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I didn't like that one thing when she talked to you and she says like, "Do you have any better idea?" That was a little yeah. bit too yeah. much for me. Like, like yeah, they didn't need to put that in. Like that was the one mm-hmm. kind of moment where I'm like, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Using it, using it as a as a device for character aside is okay, and yeah. that that's okay. But like when you start to ask me questions and you know, yeah, that, no, that's yeah, a bit. You get you're getting into like Deadpool territory there, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good observation, dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as for Tewksbury, you know. He's a softy. He's clever enough. He's resourceful in nature. You know, I mean, he, he knows his way around herbs and grasses and stuff like that. But he isn't worldly or smart like Enola. And I think that's very deliberate because, you yes. know, she, she, she goes and rescues him. And you kind of get the inversion of that trope there. But I thought, yes. Louis Part- I thought Louis Partridge was all right in the role. I wouldn't mind to see him again if there's a continuation. I did yeah. like I did. I, th- I thought one of his best lines, though, was the where, where you got. You got to see the breeding. You got to see his sort of entitlement where she, when they're walking away, he turns to him and's like, you're supposed to say thank you. And he's like, for what? <laughs> like, I thought I thought that was quite good. Uh, I liked the way he delivered that line. But uh, I, like, 
the part. Yeah. I, I like the part when he uh, he's like, "Oh, so am I supposed to call you Lord?" He's like, "Well, you're always supposed to. You just didn't." And that's I was right. Like, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's the same <laughs> sort of idea, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Oh, we're supposed to yeah. bow. Sorry, sorry. That's what it was. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> well, you're always supposed to. But... <laughs> uh-huh. um, Eudoria Holmes. Yeah. You know, I think that um, for what she's given, Bonham Carter does well. Like she she does well. But I have seen her, like you're saying, Josh, uh, I've seen her do similar acting in Big Fish. I've seen her do similar acting in Harry Potter. Like yeah. she, she's got these sorts of roles, these yeah. sort of uh, eccentric mother type roles. Yeah. And that's where she goes with them. Right. So that's OK. Well, maybe um, not Bellatrix, though. Bellatrix was a, kind of a psycho. But uh... but I, I see where Scott's coming from. But yes, oh, you're oh, right. I do. It. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Bellatrix yeah. is a little different. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Linthorne, played by Burn Gorman, you know, you've talked about um, hired by grandma to kill the grandson, like in and, and, and all of that stuff is, is good. But I don't want to ignore the most important part about Gorman's performance, which is that he's born to play a villain, isn't he? This guy, like, yeah, he, unfortunately, yeah. he is. But he is so good in the role. Like, I, yeah, I like the simplicity of the role, too. Like, OK, we see it when he steps on the train. He is there because granny has hired him and he doesn't get he doesn't get any more yeah. complex than that and he shouldn't you know like he's not ruined by any other plot device he's just a baddie and we like him when yeah. he's there he's he's kind of cool on the screen yeah uh, sherlock guys here's my take on henry cavill okay um this is <laughs> well, this the is lifeguard part <laughs> yeah look yeah that's a good example he's ridiculously good looking right like he's handsome yeah, guy sure. of course and and that's fine yeah. Yeah, yeah. but the my problem with him and i don't know if he was directed this way or if it was written this way or if he decided to bring it this way but there is no affectation to his performance at all and it to me it's like he's devoid of idiosyncrasy like he no it's almost like he and the director aren't even aware of who sherlock holmes is now, if, yeah i i have i got no yeah. problem i got no problem with that necessarily okay but i no, I do have a problem with that. I don't know who thought it was a good idea to, to to play Sherlock Holmes straight, but it's bizarre, and it makes me wonder why they even bothered with him as like why didn't they just have Mycroft in here? But even but Mycroft yeah, is so yeah, fucking but, different. Yeah, I, I agree with you. We I don't know. Actually, it's, need Holmes in this, and yet they did because, as Josh intimates, they set him up right. They set him up to be the ward, and I, I, the only credit I'm going to give this portrayal of Sherlock Holmes is that. And this is really, by the way, suspending belief and putting a real olive branch out here to this interpretation. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he is so highly deductive that that he needs to see Enola because she's worth investing in as property, and Mycroft is going to waste that property. So he reads into the relationship. He reads into what his memories tell him of the time that he remembers. And he recognizes that, yeah, I need to take over this girl's guardianship because my brother's going to waste it and she'll just become another woman in society instead of something that could be used to, you know, to offset, you know, the patriarchy crime or whatever. Like, perhaps, and again, this is me trying to rationalize and extend an olive branch out to <laughs> that interpretation that maybe what he's playing the whole time is a super long game of deduction where everybody... <laughs> nobody can really uh, capture what he's doing because he's three or four steps ahead of everybody else. But he's no, playing he, 40 chess like yeah, Star Trek. Four, <laughs> dude, listen, even as I say that, 
I, I, I just can't. I can't go there because yeah, yeah. there's no sense. There's no sense of Dr. Bell's influence on this character. There's no idiosyncrasy. No. There's no affectation. This no. is a lifeguard, a sexy lifeguard who is in a yeah. suit. And that that's what's going on here. I don't understand it. Like, I just don't understand it. But I, this is it's where maybe... It's L, the detective, is what well, it is. Like, it's, it's like the only thing he has in... <laughs> well, that's... But, I mean, the only thing he has in common with Sherlock Holmes is literally the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it, man. That's, that's it. it. That like, is it. I don't. I don't have a problem with him as an actor. I think he's a good actor, but no, I don't. No, I, I like don't get why what actor. they did. Is it? And you know, even to suggest this, I feel bad. But is it? Is it a young girl thing? Is it? Let's get a sexy guy in here. That's that. That we can bring back. Is that what it is? A guy who. Like, I don't know. Robert Downey Jr. isn't Sherlock Holmes to me either, but he's got idiosyncrasies, you know? Yes. Guy Guy Ritchie wants to have the story layered in that way or peppered in that way. This Sherlock Holmes isn't a Sherlock Holmes that's going to... I mean, it might be a Sherlock Holmes world that brings people back to the source material, but it's never going to be a Sherlock Holmes that fans of Sherlock are interested in, I don't I think. Would have, I would have appreciated a more a less beefcake um, mm. physical actor mm-hmm. that would have played Sherlock. Like, yeah. I mean, I can't say that the person they would have chosen physically, like he, he could have been acted just like Haven, but I just personally would have preferred a not like, not such a Superman, uh-huh. you know, uh, yeah. physique. I, that's the only thing. That's, okay. okay. I, I kind of took gotcha. me out of it. Too. As yeah. I said, now, like you watched, for example, uh, to get yourself back in the Holmes uh, frame mind, you watched the 1939 Hound of the Baskervilles. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that is considered the iconic Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thin, he's kind of thin. Like he's not, he's not, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's but that's exactly how I picture Sherlock. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a lean thinking machine. Lean. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. And the thing is that someone like a... with the expertise that Sherlock has, the knowledge that he has, the certain schools of science that he had to study to learn and 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 become that, does not is not someone who would have a physique like mm-hmm. that. That that's what I'm trying to say is like so, uh, that yeah. physique is almost impossible to think of. Uh, in, in that in time, time, yes. At, at yeah. that time frame, yeah. yeah. Like, yes. what? Like, it, it is. It's, it's, it anach- is. Yeah. it's anachronistic. It really is what it is. But even though we're talking about the physique and, uh, you know, being that what it is, Josh, anachronistic and all the rest of it, or anachronistic, I... It, it, it's the lack of affectation to the Sherlock Holmes character yes. that's just yeah. not well, here. It's... You don't even see you don't even see a scene of him like you know. I would have I would have been okay if when if maybe the camera cut to his fingers and you see his fingers spinning wildly or you see like his knees shaking. Uh, yeah. Give me give me yeah. something that you tells me that this what, is a yeah. this is Sherlock Holmes. Or like or like know? jumping on top of a table or a couch or something well, like that. Or... That that would have been yeah okay that would have been a little bit. Yeah. But okay. Okay. He seemed too much of an introvert and just too calm and like very calm. Every, every, yeah. Everything was just like you know, like obviously the only, he's the only scene that I kind of was reminiscent of Sherlock Holmes at all was that last scene with Lestrade, where mm-hmm. he comes yeah. in, he says, "Oh, by the way, I solved the case for you," and then and then and then and and, and then Lestrade is like, "Oh, well, your sister got there first, mm-hmm. right?" So mm-hmm. like and that was the only real scene that kind of showed that he was Sherlock Holmes because he saw the case before he did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, that 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 is just that's just flagpole though, isn't it? That's all that it is. Really like, is. Yeah. It, it's like virtue yeah. signaling in terms of Sherlock yeah. Holmes fans. That's what that yeah. was. <laughs> anyway, I'll just finish up here. Sorry, guys. Um, Sorry. Oh yeah, no, no, no. 
Uh, I really did like Bern Gorman. We've already talked about him. I, I, I don't think this is Cavill's fault. I don't know if he was directed that way, as I say, or or if he decided to go that way. I just, just the script doesn't call for him to play Sherlock Holmes, but a man named Sherlock Holmes. He's not a bad actor. It's just strange to me. But you know, I, I can't think of the original Sherlock, the actual like the source Sherlock Holmes, or even an ad- an adaptation. I can't think of Sherlock Holmes being less interested in anything than taking on his daughter as a ward or as his uh, then taking on yeah, his sister exactly. as a ward yeah, like, right who, who but, is he bruce wayne like yeah yeah i can't see sherlock holmes ever doing that but guys listen honestly if henry cavill returning or us having to believe that sherlock holmes would be interested in taking on his younger sister as a ward if that gives me another chance to see Millie Bobby Brown in this role, then yeah, I'm I'm in because I, I'm willing to jeopardize my love of the source material to see her again doing this because it's really fun to watch her yeah, do this. Yeah, it is fun. So, I mean, that's what it comes down to. And it, it's I'm definitely not going to go to court over it. Okay, like yeah, I, I'm not going to do that. And and from my under but, but from my understanding of the novels by Springer, which by the way I, I haven't read. Enola sneaks off to London to start her own private detective career and tries to avoid her brothers and not not so much get in with them. But so that could be a deviation there. And I suppose anyone listening who's read the stories can correct us on that. Um, Anyway, moving on. uh, Josh mentioned David Bamber. He's got a small role here as Sir Wimbrell, but he does well in this limited role. Yes, you'll remember him from Rome as Cicero, but he's also... Uh, he's also Mr. Collins in the BBC's Pride and Prejudice miniseries yeah, from the true. 90s, which was oh, awesome. Yeah, I for- awesome. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. And having actually mentioning that, it's almost like Sherlock is being played here by Cavill more like Mr. Darcy, you know, than, <laughs> yeah. than, than anybody else. Anyway, uh, Fiona Shaw was great as Miss Harrison. Yeah, but she she's doing what she does well. Um Susan Wakoma is an actor who played um, Edith Edith Grayston, right. you know that that, yeah. that uh, yeah. figure in London, and she was She's... okay. But yeah. I thought her I thought her character role pretty dumb. Like yeah. I thought it was okay. Uh, she she performed the role well. Sure. Yeah. Um, Akhtar as uh, Adil Akhtar oh, was in yeah. as Lestrade. He was fine, but again, mm-hmm. just stuffing like source stuffing that really probably didn't need to be there. Um, yep. Mycroft, I disagree. I think Mycroft was over the top in this film. I thought he he was more of a deviation than even Sherlock was from the source material. And he he was, I mean, Mycroft Holmes in the in the books is lazy, far more clever than Sherlock, but completely sedentary. Mm-hmm. Hangs around the Diogenes Club. That's all he does. He he oh, only brings himself to matters of politics. I'm pretty sure there wasn't that one scene, eh? Yeah, well. I just think that Mycroft Holmes in this adaptation is nothing like Mycroft Holmes from oh, I, I agree. Nah, I just he, like, he was I even further. Sam performance as like a as a, as a brother, yeah, as a crazy brother was fine. Yeah. He was good. Yeah. But as Mycroft, yeah. no, nothing no. like Mycroft. Not yeah. even like the Gaddis Mycroft in the BBC no, version no, no, no. either. Anyway, my acting, like I said, uh, to, to start all this off, and I, I appreciate your patience with it all, was uh, eight and a half because yep. the, the roles I didn't like were written that way. And uh, the acting is really strong in this. And I think if you, are, uh, if you are an aficionado of film or if you enjoy watching things that are well acted, you won't be disappointed with no, this. Exactly. Uh, story... Not. 
look, guys, I don't care how you cut it up. It is, it's just not okay for mom to abandon her daughter. Like, it just isn't, uh -huh. no matter at, yeah, at that, that age. That like, stupid. okay, so she cares about the suffragette cause, but, but why force your daughter into care and at the hands of the patriarchy? Because you yeah. trust that she's trained enough to escape? Because you trust yeah. that she's clever enough to, to get by and that she'll and be yeah. able to... You'll be able yeah. to read the codes and all the rest exactly. of it. Like that's a, that's a gamble, and to me, it's a contradiction yeah. in the story. In a story of female liberation. It's almost a paradox that the, the, the strong maternal figure, you know, imprisons her daughter on the whim, on the hope that she'll get a way out of it by her own design. Like I, it just, it, I don't know. I thought that was kind of strange, kind of weird. But again, I don't and know how much of that is Springer's book. I yeah, well, I was going to say, like, and if your daughter's so smart, she's going to figure out that you're doing a bomb plot and trying to stop you. Yeah. And then you might get her killed, you idiot. Yeah. But I guess, Jeff, I guess that's the it was the most logical motivating incident that sure. they could find in the story. Yeah. Um, yes. I'm, I'm just trying to see it all, you know, like I did really like the Limehouse thing, but I don't understand. And maybe you guys can clarify this for me. The explosives, they don't ever really connect the dots for me. Like, I, I know the secret meeting that we're giving glances in through reflection and all of that, but was there a plan to bomb London if the vote didn't go in favor of the suffragette cause? Is that, is that what all these explosives are doing there? I, I guess so. They never explored that. Those yeah. were just no, like, yeah. that's, they were just that, basically no. the foundations for future sequels. Yeah. Well, okay. I, okay. that's what I, that's the other thing I didn't like about that's the stories. I'm like, it didn't explain that. And then I was like, okay, uh, uh -huh. sure. You didn't like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I did like the Tewksbury stuff, but this sure. this felt like a story of two halves very much, you know, because you've got just in the middle that sort of abrupt break in and here we go. I'm going to go back and save this guy because he can't take care of himself. Now, if you want to, if you want to develop a love story there, I, I guess I understand it, but it took up too many pages of script for my liking because it's underdeveloped and you can't really do much with younger kids anyway or young adults in that way on film. So wouldn't it have been a little better to have him on board in more of like a buddy role, perhaps, uh, sure. or or or, or kind of fix his problem, sort his plot, but reinvest more of that love stuff that that in with Enola and her mom learning in London more about what she's doing, like maybe even aligning herself with the suffragette story. I think that would have been time better spent than trying to develop a love story. But I guess this is me, the adult speaking, not the young adult reader, right? So. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that, but uh, my my score my my scoring for story was a six and a half. I went six okay. and a half because yeah, I mean I just felt like there were some things in there that eh, kind of made it okay, but we're, I we're did. We're generally on, on the same page. Yeah, generally we're on the same page. Yep, generally yeah. atmosphere. Um, this was a high score for me. It wasn't as high as you guys, though. I went I went eight. The settings were serviceable. Okay. Some mm -hmm. of them were very pretty. Some of the locations were nice, nicely filmed. I did like the drone or the aerial shots. Um, you can't necessarily Ooh. call them crane shots anymore. I liked yeah. them at the beginning. Like I thought they were put to really good use and around the train scenes. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. The period features in the film are really nice. Uh, some of the details really stood out too, particularly the furniture. Yeah. Like now, this might. Yeah, yeah. There are some lounges and Chesterfields in this film that are just fucking awesome. Like yeah, when right. when Mycroft yeah, calls on Miss Harriet to visit the home, you remember, and and, uh, and yeah. to kind of yep. or Miss Harrison, sorry, and um, instruct Enola. And she, that's when she gets slapped and she runs out to see her brothers, blah, blah, blah. Like that room, that entire room is dope, man. Like those chairs, yeah. those kind of low seated leather puff, uh, puff chairs. And 
awesome, awesome stuff in there. Uh, we talked about Pemberton's score. It, it's really good, really engaging stuff. We've all listened to it outside of the film. And I would also point you in the direction of his score for The Man from Uncle, which is really, really cool as well. And, you know, there's a bit of David Arnold in him. He, he could be a good shout as a young 42, 43 year old composer, man. Like, give him a bond film see what he does with a bond film because yeah, he understands he understands period instruments he understands Shameless how plug. to do yeah different yeah. different cool <laughs> vibes and the man also from uncle score is, is king quite arthur's cool. uh, soundtrack as well yeah, really yeah. good yeah so i mean overall the atmosphere I'm, I'm pleased that it was geared to a younger audience but there were no you know stupid ya jokes in here or too much yeah, bump good. too much bump that sort of pushed me outside the realm of just really enjoying it and uh, i went for an eight overall there so uh for my atmosphere and for my uh my story and my acting scores i got a total of uh 23 i believe if that's correct eight and eight and eight five eight five is 17 yeah i'm at 23 jeff you're at 23 and josh you're at 24 so shit yeah we're uh, we're all fairly quick and close on this one yeah, we enjoyed this movie, but yeah. uh, we have our, I guess, our own feelings about how much we appreciate it as part of the Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. universe. Yeah. Yeah. Or we know it's not canon, but I mean, it, it is no. in here. It is another interpretation of this universe that fans can gravitate towards. So mm-hmm. that's fine with me. Yeah, that's yeah. fine with me too. And uh, Jeff, yeah. you enjoyed it. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, any any final words then, Mr. Chapman, before we uh, we sign off? And, well, uh, one, I, I'd just like to uh, thank you for letting me be a part of this podcast. Oh, it's as, good to have uh, you, buddy. As a, as a, as a first-time contributor, so I do appreciate that. Keep up the good work. <laughs> uh, and uh, I hope I didn't let you down. And uh, oh, I just no. want to say hi to listeners that uh, maybe don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, there you go. We'll see you back on Bomb by Numbers, won't we? Because we'll get back in a few weeks to <laughs> yeah, that show. That's right. Sure, sure. Absolutely. All yeah. sorts of stuff going on in the podcast diverse. Uh, Josh, how about you? Any closing statements? No, I think I summed it up when I said, you know, like I liked how there's different interpretations of Sherlock Holmes available to choose from. He's one of the iconic uh, British characters, uh, international characters, and uh, you know, everyone has their own interpretation of him and what they mean and what he means and what he means to these people. Mm-hmm. And so, I think just having another one to choose from, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. And I will just echo that and say that uh, Enola Holmes is worth watching, whether you are a whether you're a huge Sherlock fan or not. You will be disappointed if you're looking for anything along the lines of Jeremy Brett. Um, but yeah. you might be impressed by some of the sets, I guess, if you're a Brett fan, because some of them are kind of tight. Um, but apart from that, no, it's it's uh, it's a good film and it's fun to watch. It's got energy and. It makes me feel good about um, about young young adult adaptations. You know, I mean, uh, I, I teach I teach several young adult stories uh, uh, in school, and I'm try I try to keep my finger on the pulse of some of that stuff. But this is good. I'm, I hope Netflix has got a good commodity here. And I would just like to say to the Arthur Conan Doyle estate, you know, just pick a pick why not why not be friends with this instead of being an enemy to it like you know you you get more friends what is it you you you'll earn more friends with sugar or with honey or something what do you say you catch more flies with you catch more flies with sugar than vinegar or poison or some shit i don't know i've been talking too much i was just gonna say you know in reference (laughs) to hand of the baskervilles arthur conan doyle estate take dr mortimer's walking stick out of your ass like that's (laughs) that's how i feel 
I can't think of a better way to, to end this episode than leave it just there. So thanks, Jeff, for coming on board with us. And thank you very much, thanks listeners. Thanks for having me. Thank you, uh, thank you yes, listeners, for, uh, for, for tuning in. Um, and yeah, well, if, if you're interested in, in hearing the three of us talk nonsense like this, then get yourself on over to Bond by Numbers and go through the James Bond films in that universe with us as well. Shameless plug. And of course, Josh, you've got your free to geek, free the geeks. <laughs> free the geeks. <laughs> well, let's be honest, right? Free the geeks. We're all geeks here. Yeah, pretty much. Free the Greeks. Uh, your your uh, your podcast on the Peloponnesian War in ancient Greece. Yeah, that's right. All right, guys. Good to talk to you. We'll catch you back here. Well, we'll catch you across on Bombay number soon, and we'll catch uh, our listeners of Lighten the Pipes back here soon when we do the next Philip Marlowe story. Cheerio, right? Lady in the Lake. Lady in the Lake. Well done. <laughs> okay, we'll see you soon, guys. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>